Welcome to LinkedIn Smart, a podcast revealing secrets to success on LinkedIn. Each week, we interview one remarkable person willing to share their best strategies. So sit down, relax, and enjoy the interview. Here is our host, Vitek Ladislav. It's about more than just LinkedIn. It's about getting your voice out there. It's about owning your experience. These are words of our today's guest on LinkedIn Smart Podcast. Her clients call her Oprah of Sales, all the way from Canada, Belinda Aramidi. So Belinda, thank you very much for your time joining us today on our show, LinkedIn Smart Podcast. It's awesome to have you here, all the way from Canada. And yeah, uh, I would like to ask you, uh, Belinda, and I ask, I ask the same question always, 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 all my, all my guests on a, on a podcast. How have you started with LinkedIn? Is there any story around that? Yeah. Uh, well, first and foremost, thank you so much for having me. Um, and yes, surprisingly, uh, there is a little bit of a story. It's, so it's back in 2017. To be quite honest, I was an apprehensive LinkedIn user. Um, initially, so I joined LinkedIn back in 2009 the first time around and then I broke up with LinkedIn probably about 2013 because I just saw it was another social media platform and password I did need to remember it, it, so it sounds like you know I got married and I broke up or I had a boyfriend <laughs> sorry sorry I had to I had to intersect that so I didn't carry on carry on that's exactly it where you know I thought oh we're done I, I'm done with you and then you know I went and then I came back came boomeranging back I had to do actually signed up for LinkedIn because of my boss. I said, oh, we need LinkedIn in order to connect with prospects. And so I was like, oh, fine, I'll go back. And then as soon as I left that job, I left LinkedIn. I'm like, I'm tired of you. <laughs> I didn't want to be back here anyways. But this time I didn't delete it. I just kept it. And then I had our son back in 2016. And then I took an extended maternity leave. And so then I needed a job. And what did I do? I came to LinkedIn to update my digital resume. Um, but LinkedIn wasn't anything like I had left it a couple of years prior to that. And my first thought was, what the heck is going on? <laughs> you know, there were people having these conversations and it, it just seemed to be this really, you know, thriving ecosystem. And so I went on to the platform just looking to get a job and, um, and, that's exactly what I was able to do thanks to LinkedIn. But then once I got the job, I thought, well, if I could get a job and get the attention of someone that I wanted to be hired by, I wonder if I can get the attention of people that I want to do business with. And so that's really how it started, you know, starting to shift how I looked at LinkedIn and how I presented myself on LinkedIn so that I wasn't just sending out cold outreach messages but just presenting myself in a way that showed me to be an expert in, at the time, the field of digital marketing um, so that people wanted to talk to me and they weren't just groaning and saying, oh, here's another salesperson asking me for 15 minutes of time. And then, you know, it's been, you know, LinkedIn love ever since. I haven't left it. <laughs> <laughs> so apparently it wasn't love at first sight, but maybe in a second or third but that's fine. I think I think we all have very very similar stories uh, from that perspective. But still, from uh, from the time where you were kind of searching for a job and figuring out that actually LinkedIn is much better platform than you have left it uh, before, 
till now when you are actually a person who is uh, actively showing others how to use LinkedIn for the lead generation, is still there is a bit of a gap. Uh, can you, you know, fill that in? Absolutely. So um, I was working for the for a digital marketing agency and it was it was really great because when I moved into digital marketing I actually had come from a tech background so I really had no connections in the industry I just had a love for digital marketing and I knew that that was the direction that I wanted to take my career now as an independent consultant that wasn't really my plan I knew at some point that I would probably be an entrepreneur but I thought it'd be more into the future than it is now but I have a very particular way for how I feel that sales, quote unquote, should be. Um, I have my own you know, thoughts and feelings around it. And so it got to a point in my career where I had enough strong feelings about how sales should be done that I thought that instead of always fighting the system kind of internally, that it made sense for me to go out on my own and get people to pay me for my differing opinion versus being an employee, um, always trying to buck the trend and question, you know, how things quote unquote should be done. You know, my sales philosophy and where LinkedIn strategy and sales meet for me is that ultimately, and in what my prospects have always, you know, told me is that um, sales is most effective when the other person, the prospect feels seen as more than just a number or, you know, just another dial in the book. It's about seeing the other prospect and showing to them, proving to them that you truly understand that their time is finite and not just time being finite as a construct. That, you know, when you're taking the time, 15 minutes, 30 minutes to meet with somebody, it's time that you're not doing something else. What I found in working at a digital marketing agency and now what I teach my clients is that building a personal brand on LinkedIn helps to take down that resistance because that's the biggest thing that salespeople are frustrated with and really anyone who has to sell anything. It's how do I get people to want to talk to me about the thing that I can do, Mm. right? Um, Experts know that what they can do can help a business or an individual. But that is, oh, that's maybe 25% of the battle. The majority of the battle is getting the people who can pay you to see that what you do is transformative enough for them to make the investment and to put in the time in order for it to happen. And that is the real value of LinkedIn for me is that it not only allows you to get in touch with those that you want to do business with, but allow them to come to you or have less resistance in saying yes. And that's ultimately the goal. And so I've been doing my consulting business coming on. This is now two years. Um, And I started with helping individuals with how they leverage LinkedIn. And now I help both individuals and organizations Mm -hmm. so that they can, you know, leverage the power of LinkedIn Mm -hmm. to turn connections ultimately into clients. How was the transition? You mentioned you were were in a digital marketing space and uh, you were working for the company. Was it kind of like a one day you woke up and say, you know what, like, uh, let me just start doing this, this LinkedIn thing because it, it makes a lot of sense to me? Yes. I wish I could say that it was, you know, after a lot of thought and consideration and that definitely was, <laughs> that's just really not my personality as well. You know, both my husband and I are entrepreneurs. And so he really understood 
that need and desire to jump in with both feet and to just take the risk and say, I'm going to bet on not just myself, but that the value and the longevity of what it is that I know. And so really um, the way that I look at LinkedIn and the philosophies that I teach people with LinkedIn is that the philosophies are really platform agnostic. People can take a lot of the philosophies that I teach about LinkedIn. They can take it to Instagram. They can take it to Facebook. They can even take it to Twitter or even I teach a lot of people about, you know, email outreach and how to kind of warm people up um, that way as well. Um, Ultimately, it's about teaching people how to have human connection using a digital, you know, platform. So, you know, it's just kind of one day I had done a couple of master classes, you know, and I don't do those as frequently as I used to. But I did a couple of master classes. Those did well. People were seeing results from it. And, you know, I just thought, you know what? I really do believe in what it is that I have to teach. And I think that if I put my all into it, um, that I can have a really big impact for not just myself, but for those that I teach. And mm-hmm. it's been, you know, consulting love ever since. <laughs> so it was pretty much a LinkedIn all in, as I, as I, can, as yes. I can hear you. Yeah. <laughs> Exactly. Uh, using the poker terms. You know, I'd like to always get some, some terms right. And we hear very often terms social selling. Social selling is kind of like a buzzword, you know, many people talking about social selling. What is actually social selling for you? Oh, what's social selling for me? So in, in essence, it's just using social media as a way to connect with your buyers. How you choose to use a social media platform to connect with your buyers is up to the individual, Um, but it's it's a very simple term. Um, It's not very complicated. It's like whether you're using Facebook, Instagram, Snapchat, TikTok, you're leveraging the features of a social media platform in order to get in front of your buyers. Um, And then you can drill down even more. So on LinkedIn, you can have a content only strategy and it's just, you're looking for people to come inbound to you from what it is that you share from a content perspective, or you can use a direct message only strategy where you're not creating any content, but you're just focused on sending messages to people and building connections that way. Or you can use a hybrid, which is what I always suggest to um, my clients where you're creating content so that people can know you and you can stay top of mind. But then you're also in the direct messages, um, connecting with people on that deeper level. Because what I always tell people is that the, you know, it goes down in the DMs, right? That's where people are going to ultimately have those serious buying conversations with you. I can tell you that probably 80 to 90% of my clients, they're not the ones who are always commenting on my content. Mm. They're the ones who are maybe liking my content. They've been following me for a little while. And then they reach out to me via direct message, either because I've initiated that conversation or, you know, as my personal brand has grown, they're feeling comfortable enough to initiate that conversation with me. I think that sometimes um, people can look at social selling as this really complicated construct, but social selling is just taking sales strategy and put applying it to a social media platform. So a lot of the same tactics that you might use person to person at a networking event um, or tactics that you might use when you are sending messages to people by email, social selling is just about using sales skills Mm -hmm. Um, on social media okay 
Why do you think that LinkedIn is such a wonderful platform to utilize that social selling? Why, why do you like it? Yeah, I think it's because of how the user approaches the platform. So for instance, when I go onto TikTok, I'm just looking for a laugh. You know, you might be, if you're really good, you know, you might get me to stop. And then now I'm going down the rabbit hole of, you know, learning, you know, something about, you know, how to clean my fridge more effectively. Right. But I'm look, I'm going to Instagram and TikTok and, you know, to an extent, Twitter to kind of relax and to, you know, just wind down for my day. I want to see cute cats and babies and, you know, things that are just that, that help enrich my personal life. Right. Whereas people go to LinkedIn and it's kind of like, if I can describe it, it's like when someone comes in through the door, right. And you hear it's your brother coming through the door. You're like, yeah, yeah, that's fine. You know, then you, you, you hear it's the prime minister or the president of your country. And all of a sudden, you know, you're sitting up in your chair and you're like, Oh, you know, this is not just anybody. And I think that that's how people approach LinkedIn. It's, it's known as that professional platform, that platform where your boss is there, you know, your future boss might be there. Um, someone who you might want to do business with. So It's just a platform where people come to it a little more seriously. And so they take people on the platform a little more seriously as well. And I think that's what makes LinkedIn so valuable at the very surface level. Of course, I mean, on Instagram, you just see me as Belinda Ramity, but on LinkedIn, you can see, you know, where I've worked, who I work with, you know, all of this professional information that's just not available to you on other platforms. Mm -hmm. Don't you think that that seriousness of the platform can be sometimes a little bit boring? Yes. And I think that's where <laughs> I think that's where it's important for people to also show their personality, right? So it's almost like the first time your boss, you know, says a joke and you're just like, wow, you're a real, you know, person. And then you feel like you can kind of be calm as well. It's nice to see it happening on LinkedIn. Now there's a way to be both professional, but also comfortable kind of like, you know, going to work in a jacket and a button up shirt, but no tie, right. You're still professional. You still look put together, um, but you are also comfortable. And I think that LinkedIn needs that because the way that we're doing business has also become more comfortable. Even before the pandemic, there has been more of emergence between our personal lives and our business life. It's just now life. And I think that it's in those moments where we kind of bring the professional guard down a little bit, where people ultimately are looking for to connect with people first, and then they'll listen to what it is that you have to say. Um, I always tell people in order to be seen, you first have to see the other person. And so it's in letting, letting down our professional guards just a little bit and show more of our human side hmm. that now people can see us and then they'll be like, okay, well, what else is there? I want to learn a little bit more. So I think it's, it's probably the users are, are the reason why LinkedIn has become less of a stuffy platform where you can tell a joke and share, you know, LinkedIn and sales strategy too. That brings me to another question, actually. When you talk to your, to your clients, when you're advising them on, on the posting strategy, how much of a personal stuff are you telling them you know, to put out there compared to pure business stuff? Uh, is there any, any ratio? Um, 
in general, I like the idea or, you know, the kind of the bus, the bus term of like an 80, 20 rule. I think that it's good for it to be 80% professional and then 20%, you know, showing a little bit of the personal side, because ultimately if people are sharing content from their personal profiles, right there, there are business pages. And I think that there's a reason why personal profiles outperform business ones. And I always, always, always use the example. Um, so for anyone who's listened to any other podcast, they've heard this example before, but Nike, one of the biggest brands in the entire world. I don't know if there's anyone, even if you don't know the, the name of the company, everyone knows the Nike swoosh, right? But Nike invests hundreds of millions of dollars every single year investing in um, athlete sponsorships, right? And why? Why would a company that everybody knows, why would they need to pay athletes to be brand ambassadors? And that's because people will identify with the athlete first and then the brand behind it. And that makes them want to wear Nike or, you know, have that, that brand affinity with Nike as a, as a brand. And I think that's what's really important is people connect with people first because we're all humans. And so I think that, yes, it's really important for you to talk about your professional side, because if you don't, people aren't going to assume that, you know, you can do business. Like, let's say, for instance, 80% of my content was all just motivational and just talking about what my kids ate for dinner. People aren't going to associate me with the thing that I want to be paid for, right? So unless, you know, business is so good that I don't need any more business, then sure, I'll start talking about everything other than my business. But the whole point of building a personal brand on LinkedIn is so that when it comes time to buy, you become someone who's top of mind. And the best way to do that is to focus on sharing professional content. But who is Belinda, right? You know, or who is John or who is, who is Sarah? You know, that's what helps people decide that, okay, I have three people that I could choose to work with, but I really, I feel like I know Sarah and that's why I'm going to reach out to her before I reach out to somebody else. I think there's a quite nice saying which says that uh, people buy from people they like and trust. And I think I think that's mm-hmm. make a lot of sense, right? Like, a, of course, on one side, you can you can build your trust by sharing certain value on, on the platform. On the other hand, how people come to like you when you're sharing some personal things, when they find that your values are very similar to yours, right? So so I think that's that's the probably the the, the mix which. Um, which you're talking about, and uh, yeah, that's uh, very, very interesting. Belinda, you, you're an expert in, in social selling on LinkedIn, and um, um, or not just on LinkedIn overall. And uh, I know that you mentioned something about uh, that, you know, people creating content and also people, people trying to, to do the outreach through the DM. I would, like to, I would like to stick to the content side and ask you, what do you normally advise to your clients you know what kind of content to put out there and you know what stands out sorry that i'll digress a little bit but i think you know there is a lot of digital noise uh, especially now especially during the COVID COVID period and people are asking you know how to stand out how to find you know that space which uh, i can really be heard So I'm going to talk about content in two perspectives. So there's the content that you put out. And then there's also, because it's LinkedIn and what makes LinkedIn very unique, it's how you choose to comment and where you choose to comment in order to stand out in the digital noise. So when we talk about content, the kind of content that you publish, 
I'm always telling my clients that you need to become the scroll stop. So yes, it's great to come out with, you know, very fancy graphics. Those graphics take a lot of time or they take money in order to pay someone else to do them, right? But what I'm helping my clients do is that their name and their little bubble becomes the scroll stop because you have to realize that we as content creators, we're creating content. That's the value that we give. And the value that we get is people's time. So you have to train people who follow you or who you're connected with that you are a good exchange of time. And that's what I'm doing with every single post. That's what all my clients are doing with every post. That's what, you know, anyone who's listening to this needs to do with all of their posts so that other people know that if I stop and I click see more in order to read the rest of this post, it's going to be a good use of my time, right? That's what makes people stop. It's like comedians, right? If a comedian's really funny and I'm flipping through the channels and I see their face, I'm like, oh, I'm going to laugh, right? It's about training people. It's like, you know, a dog knows if I scratch at the door, they're going to let me out so I can go pee, right? So you're, you're training people so that your name, your picture becomes the ultimate scroll stopper. And how do you do that? By sharing 80% professional, something that in exchange for my time, I'm going to be glad that I stopped, you know, but hmm, I didn't know that or, oh, wow, I hadn't thought of that before. And that's what makes people continue to come back as well as learning a little bit about who you are as a person too. It makes you train people that I see this stuff. I'm going to learn something. I'm going to be glad that I stopped. We've all had those posts where, you know, it's what, what do they call it on YouTube? Like clickbait, right? Where it's like, oh, this is going to be this. And then they give you something else. And you know, now you're like, oh, you have that foul taste in your mouth. So you want to create content that is valuable, right? That people are going to, like I said, they're going to be happy that they stopped. Then they will continue to stop. Every time they see your face or they see your name, they're going to want to stop. That is applicable when we're talking about comments, because any, you know, I'm sure anyone who's listening to this podcast know your comments become content. And so I use comments as a way to kind of separate myself from the digital noise because people read comments. And so now it's an opportunity for people to find you. So you leave a comment that's interesting. Someone then wants to go to your profile. They can then see your content and it becomes that domino effect. Um, so, you know, the best way to stand out in the digital noise is not to be noise. You know, it's to be a light, it's to be a beacon is to share information that is transformational, whether it's in the content that you share or the comments that you leave. My comments can be as good, if not better than the content that I put out. Um, and again, it's always boils down to everything online is an exchange of time. It's like they, they say, you know, we always make time for the things that matter to us. And, you know, if you want to matter to other people, you need to make it worth their time. And you just have to realize that every time that people um, interact with your personal brand, make it worth that time. And they'll keep coming back. They will. If you'd like to turn your LinkedIn into a lead generating tool, you should consider to enroll in our LinkedIn business audit session. This 45 minute strategic call will give you answers you're looking for. We will show you a step-by-step -step strategy of what you need to do on LinkedIn in order to start generating business and land clients from your LinkedIn activities. Interested? Send your request to marketing at squaremotion.me or click on the link in the show notes of this podcast. Thank you.
I'm sure you come across um, this um, next thing many, many times. Um, and that is people saying, well, you know what? I'm posting, I'm, I'm putting the content out there, but actually I'm not getting anything. I'm not, you know, there's no engagement. There's no, no leads from, from this. How, you know, where, what, what am I doing wrong? Mm -hmm. So when it comes to, to that part, um, I always tell people to look at a couple of things. One, how are you engaging with people? And it comes back to direct messages. Are you engaging with anyone via direct messages? Um, I found, and I found time and time again, even as the algorithm changes, that if I'm interacting with someone via direct message, all of a sudden their content starts popping up on my feed, whether it's their comments or their content itself. So the more that you can have conversations with people via direct message, that's a great way to start kind of kickstarting the algorithm. Um, another thing that people, a lot of times people will focus on their own content and you know, making sure that they're optimizing their own content. So of course you wanna do things like um, having hashtags and all of that, but you also wanna make sure that you are um, taking the time to comment on other people's content so that you can be seen in the areas that your quote unquote people can be found. Comments are not just for the person who has created the piece of the content. It's for anyone who is reading the comments, which is a lot of people. I can't tell you how many connection requests I get from people who say, hey, I found you because of a comment that you left and it was really smart. So if you find that your content isn't getting traction and that leads aren't coming in, that could be it because not enough people who are in your tribe, so to speak, so your ideal person is seeing your content. And then maybe it's taking an audit of those that you're connected with. So for instance, if you have a very specialized field of people that you do business with, you only work with engineers, those are the only people that you can sell, sell to, are you connected to engineers? Or are you connected to just anyone, you know, let's say you have a thousand connections and only 80 of those connections are engineers. Understanding how the LinkedIn algorithm works, if only 10% of your connections are going to see, you know, kind of the first, the first cohort of, of views, the likelihood that an engineer, someone who actually cares about your content is going to see it is very little. Versus if you have a thousand connections and 800 of those connections are engineers, then the likelihood of people who actually care about your topic seeing your content will see it and then at least give it a like or dwell on it and be able to really give your, your content a boost within the algorithm. I think that people don't spend enough time making sure that they just not only have a lot of connections, but they have the right kind of connections. Because if I'm writing content for engineers and someone comes across my post who isn't an engineer, they're not going to interact with that content, right? And so you have to make sure are you interacting with people via direct message so that those types of people can see your content? Are you spreading yourself across the LinkedIn sphere so that people can see what it is that you have to say? But really, and probably the most important one, it comes down to who are you connected with? Because if your connections in general aren't interested in what you have to say, your content isn't going to go anywhere, no matter how brilliant it is. You know, I, I don't, I'm not a taxidermist. I'm never going to like that content, but it doesn't mean that content isn't valuable. It's just not valuable to me. So it's making sure, are you putting your content out in front of the kind of people who actually are going to care? 
You already mentioned it a few times and you're talking about direct messaging and I think that many people, they don't really have any strategy around direct messaging. And I would kind of think that you have. So, yes. <laughs> <laughs> so can, you, can you tell us what is your strategy, how to be effective uh, in direct messaging? So when it comes to direct messaging, I think one of the things that people ought to think about is why should I care? That's ultimately what anyone is thinking when you're sending them a message. Why should I care? Why would I want to respond? And I think that a lot of times people have the approach with direct message where it's, if I start enough conversations, then good things will happen. And it's like, that's not really how it works, right? If I'm trying to build up my arm muscles, for example, or my biceps, um, you know, and I'm trying to, to grow that muscle, but I keep doing a bunch of work that helps build up my quads, no matter how hard I work on my quads, my biceps aren't going to grow. So, you know, it's not about starting a whole bunch of conversations. It's about one, starting conversations with the right type of people and then getting them to care. And as I mentioned um, earlier, in order to see or in order to be seen, you have to first see. It's like quite literally in order to get to seen, if you look at how it's spelled, it's S-E-E-C <laughs> and then it's seen. So how I approach building relationships via direct message is it starts with the person's profile because people take time to fill out their profile, whether they fill it out extensively or they don't fill it out you know, they only kind of put the bare minimum. You have to show that you've seen their profile, right? But then I think where people don't take the next step, and one of the things that I posted about a few weeks back is when you're sending someone a, a direct message, they don't know anything about you. So you have to start warming the person up, but it's about keeping the conversation professional as well. So sometimes I'll see, you know, people will start a direct message and they'll say, hi, really great to be connected with you. Uh, what do you do? And I just kind of, you know, look at my phone and on, I'm like, what do I do? We're on LinkedIn. I mean, <laughs> what do you mean? What do I do? You know, it, it just shows me that you haven't taken the time to see me. So why should I take the time to respond to your message? Because again, as I mentioned before, time is, is finite, you know, and so you have to show me that you respect my time. So we've combated that. How do you let people know who you are? So now I'm trying to initiate a conversation with someone. I need to tell them a little bit about me so that it would maybe pique their interest mm -hmm. into, you know, learning to, to continuing to have a conversation. So how it is that I, I segue, how I have that conversation is like, let's say I've initiated the connection request and they've accepted, I'll say, you know, hi, so-and-so, it's really great to be connected with you here on LinkedIn. I'm not sure if you're very familiar with me, but this is what I do. Mm -hmm. And then because I've taken a look at their profile, I will say, I see that you do blah, 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 mm -hmm. right? What happens is a lot of people will introduce themselves and then they say, so who are you? And that's not building a relationship. That's you wanted to introduce yourself. And then now you want me to do the same so that you can then sell me, right? Mm -hmm. But it's, again, showing that you've seen them and that you're genuinely curious to learn a little bit more. And you're keeping the, the conversation professional because 
I'll say, Hey, I see that you are, you know, you're the vice president of client relations at ABC bank, right? That's really cool or why that piqued my interest. And so now we're having a professional conversation about what we both do. I think that that's where a lot of people go wrong is they try and go a little bit too personal or a little bit too casual. And so what I'm always teaching my clients is that you need to, you need to have a plan for how you're hoping to kind of guide the conversation. And you're asking questions that are relatively open-ended, but they're also very professional focused so that you're, you're going in a particular direction with this, with this messaging stream. Um, but you're not ultimately hopping right into a pitch situation where you're like, Hey, I see you're the vice president of client relations at ABC bank. You know, who are you guys using for your paid, you know, your paid advertising? You know, that's not an open-ended question. That's, they can clearly see, okay, you know, you just want to, um, you know, you just, you're just trying to sell me right away. You're not trying to build, you know, any, any sort of relationship with me. So for instance, what I would do in that situation, if you do want to ask someone about their paid advertising, I might make the segue where it's like, oh, uh, I see that you're the VP of paid advertising at ABC Bank, you know, with everything that's going on in COVID, you know, have you found it easier or more difficult to come up with paid advertising, you know, so that your spend is most effective in you know, such difficult times or something like that. Right. So you're saying, I see what your role is and I have something very specific that I'm asking. And they can be like, yeah, you know, if they're open to having a conversation about like, yeah, you know, it has been difficult um, to come up with paid advertising, you know, strategies. And so now you're not pitching them, but you're learning a little bit about whether or not they have a pain. Mm. Cause I think that that's where people often drop the ball when it comes to direct message strategy is you're assuming there's a pain. You don't know there's a pain until you have a conversation with someone. And so you're trying to uncover while getting to know them a little bit, if they have a pain associated with the thing that you have a solution for. Yeah, that's very, very, very interesting. What you're talking about. And uh, I hear a lot, um, you know, people around, they, they, keep, they keep saying, you know, I've approached a person, I, I actually send, you know, not salesy DM, but they're not responding. You know how many times people just get connected with you and then sort of a disappear, they're kind of like a ghost on the platform, right? What do you do in that case? So I think that what's hard for, you know, power users like myself um, and anyone who's regularly on LinkedIn, it's hard to think of other people who might not be on LinkedIn, you know, very often. (laughs) So there's a couple of things that you can do. You can see whether or not they're just ghosting the messages, or if they're still active on LinkedIn, they're just not responding, you know, to your message. You know, instead of continuing to send messages, like I would say after, you know, three or so messages, and they haven't responded to kind of give it some time, you can maybe interact with some of their content, And then maybe they'll start remembering like, oh yeah, I was supposed to get back to that message. Or in situations that I've found where, you know, we were having conversation and then, you know, maybe we were supposed to extend the conversation to something a little more formal and they've given you their email address. Then sometimes I'll reach out to a prospect, you know, via email because they said I could reach out to them by email and they'll say, oh yeah, sorry, I haven't been on LinkedIn in a couple of weeks, right? 
Mm-hmm. Um, I think that sometimes people need to take the hint, right? That for whatever reason, you know, they just don't want to have a conversation or things are really busy right now. It's like, there's no amount of follow-up that someone can do if the time just isn't right for me. And I think that yes, follow-up is important, but it's, you know, if let's say you've followed up three times in the last three weeks and they haven't said anything, then, you know, kind of give it a rest for a little bit. And then if you create a post and you're like, you know, Hey John, you know, I, I wrote this post and I thought that you would, you would find it interesting. So I wanted to share it with you directly. Hope you're doing well. Right. And just show that you're still thinking of them and you still want to provide value, but it's not assuming that just because you um, that you're connected or just because you've even had conversations that they're necessarily going to want to continue those conversations. It's being respectful of people's boundaries and understanding that when the time is right, they will reach back out. And if they're a high value prospect for you, just making sure that you kind of keep it warm and you show them that you want to share things that you believe are of high value to them on LinkedIn. Belinda, did you find that uh, direct messaging is, um, I mean, the, the whole, I would say, uh, the, the environment on the, on the LinkedIn on uh, direct messaging, isn't it a bit clumsy? I kind of oh. feel that, you know, if something needs to be tweaked on LinkedIn, I think, I think <laughs> definitely direct messaging and number of mailboxes which you have there, because um, like you have a recruiter box, you have, a, you have a, in a sales navigator, you have in, in, a, in LinkedIn. I mean, you're gonna have a three conversation with one person on three different places, right? So I think mm-hmm. uh, taking people away from, from direct messaging directly through email, I think that would be a right strategy, wouldn't it? Yes, absolutely. And so that is why when I talk about my direct message strategy, it's let's keep it professional and let's see if um, like I'm moving people kind of through my, my online to offline process pretty quickly. So it's, um, you know, by the end of it, I'm asking them if they, you know, would be open to having a conversation and they'll say yes or no, they'll say, yes, that sounds great based off of the things that we talked about. Or they say, you know what, Belinda, honestly, right now isn't the time. And then at that point, I'll say, sure, that's no problem. I totally get it. I do have something I'd love to be able to share with you. Can I get your email address? Right. Mm-hmm. And so that way, um, and just in terms of like email etiquette, don't throw them onto your you know, weekly newsletter list without asking them, you know, that's not fair. <laughs> but at least that way, you've got their email address, you've got their name, their company, their title, you can put that information into your CRM and you can make, you know, you can follow up with them by email, you know, within a couple of months or whenever it is that you want to um, connect with them again. So then that way, if you end up in a situation where for whatever reason, they're not getting back to your messages, you can then send them a quick email and say, hey, not sure if you're on LinkedIn very much, but there was this thing that I wanted to send you. Um, I know you said that the time wasn't right before. And so I wanted to, um, I wanted to touch base with you again and send you this um, guide that, that we just published. For me, LinkedIn is really just the intermediary. I don't believe in using LinkedIn as like the end all be all because at the end of the day, as people always say, anything can happen to the LinkedIn platform. So it's about leveraging LinkedIn to really just start the conversation, but it doesn't just stay there. It moves on to email or onto a platform that you have more control over. 
Belinda, when you're looking at, uh, at the LinkedIn and activities on LinkedIn and users there, what are the mistakes that really gets under your skin that, that really frustrates you? Well, since we were talking about DM, I'll say the ones that I we constantly see on there is this canned messages one that are so very clear that they're just copy and pasted messages. But then it's the mistake of, of trying to pitch too soon or trying to say, you don't know me and I don't know you, but can you make this business decision on whether or not you can spend 30 minutes with me? Like, I, I don't have, I, I wish I had that kind of time, but I don't. And I think that a lot of people don't put themselves into the prospects, you know, shoes. They just see as, oh, well, LinkedIn is this resource where I get to have access to all these people that I want to have conversations with. But it's just like dating. Like you can want to date whoever you want to, but the other person has to want to date you too. So that's the big thing is people just, I think that direct message inboxes are sacred spaces, right? Because it's access to somebody. And I think that too many people don't respect that access. So that's direct messages. When it comes to the things that really get under my skin on LinkedIn is people being very disrespectful to people and how they like comment, you know? So it's, it's like, you know, someone will say, oh, well, you're just so stupid. It's like, would you say that to somebody, you know, in real life? And I was like, and to add insult to injury, it's on LinkedIn. So it's just people being really disrespectful and not having that business decorum while they're using the platform. And, you know, I I hate when people say, oh, you're turning LinkedIn into Facebook. But it's what makes LinkedIn so great is that it isn't Facebook. And that, you know, while I think that there is a certain respect that people used to have on LinkedIn um, that I see is kind of missing. Mm. And just, I think the third thing is just the very things that are just very gimmicky and just put together to get attention, you know, as if, you know, people are looking for attention and aren't really trying to leave an impact for those who are on the platform or who come across their content. It's just very blatant and it's obvious. And I just wish that people saw the relationship between the time they are asking for people to pay attention to you and the value you're giving for that time, because it's not all about you. It's a community. And the, the more we all put our own garbage in the garbage, the better off everyone will be. On the other hand, I would like to ask you, what really makes you happy on, on LinkedIn? What, what, are you, what are you proud of? What will really kind of like a make, you, make you happy on, on the platform? I love when I see people rallying around, you know, one another. Or, you know, when someone will post something and say, um, you know, that they're celebrating a milestone in their professional career and people are just so genuinely happy for one another. Or when someone posts that, hey, you know, I know this person and they're absolutely fantastic and they're looking for a job and you just see comment after comment after comment introducing people and say, oh, you know, talk to this person or talk to that person. Um, just really seeing the, the platform rally around people when they need it or, um, you know, it's like, you know, people sharing tips and strategies and, and some really just great content that just helps people be better. And they're not asking for anything. It's just like, Hey, I'm just putting out this out there for anyone 
who needs it. And I just, I love seeing those stories of people who, you know, they're sharing those personal posts of triumph, what it really took for them to get to where they've gotten in their career, in their life, um, and sharing, you know, the highs and the lows. I think that what's really great about how LinkedIn has transformed is we're finally having really honest conversations around our professional careers. And oftentimes that includes, you know, the personal sacrifices, but it's, it's just having those really honest conversations. And I think that that is so fantastic because before we were often limited to those that we worked with or those who are in our social circle. And I can see so many people being enlightened just by being on LinkedIn and starting to learn things from other people's perspectives and their vantage points. And I think that's so important where I know for me personally, I'll have someone challenge how it is that I'm thinking in the comments of a post. And I'm like, hmm, I hadn't thought of it that way. Mm-hmm. Or I read someone else's comment or someone else's post. And I'm like, hmm, <laughs> I hadn't thought about it that way. Do I necessarily agree? No, but they've caused me to pause and to maybe consider things differently. And I think that's the best thing about LinkedIn because there's nowhere else where we're having these, you know, really high value professional conversations and just, it's the world's largest water cooler. So I just never know what I'm going to bump into, but I learn, I know so much about, you know, the American military and let me see the American election, (laughs) but you know, you just learn the true impact of life, not just on people's personal lives, but you know, on the professional lives too. And it's just really cool. World largest water cooler. I like that. What do you think that future holds for, for LinkedIn? Ooh, that's a really good question. Cause I've been thinking about it. I think that LinkedIn is going to help, help businesses have more personality because people are, Um, as you said, they're making business decisions based on their values now more than ever. Sometimes people are making business decisions, you know, using it as a weapon, (laughs) but you know, it's if people really want to align where they put their dollars, I think more now than ever, people really do understand that you vote with your money and you support with your money and it's up to you how you want to spend it. Right. And so I think that LinkedIn is allowing people and businesses on the professional side to have more of a soul. Um, And that's what people are looking for. So I think that that will continue to grow. I think that LinkedIn as a platform will only continue to grow. I expect that probably in the next two years or so that it probably will cross over the 1 billion users mark, which will be really exciting. And I think that Now, so similar to how a lot of people are, you know, becoming these like, you know, TikTok stars and, um, you know, Facebook stars or Instagram stars, I don't really think that it'll be the same on LinkedIn, but I think that a lot of professional revolutions are going to happen thanks to the conversations that are happening on LinkedIn, because an executive who, you know, um, who maybe thought of things in one way is going to have heard the noise from maybe their employees, but then once they start reading it on LinkedIn and they're like, Hmm, you know what? Maybe they have, they're onto something. Right. I think that that is the, that's the gift that LinkedIn is. It's, 
a place where people can have those professional conversations and people are allowed to learn and grow and change the way that they look thanks to all the things that they're seeing on the platform. And then ultimately people will continue to make more money because of what they're doing on there too. <laughs> Belinda, I think, I think we could carry on with our discussion for another couple of hours and still we'll have a lot of topics to cover, but uh, we need to draw the line somewhere. So before we go, of course, I, I would like to ask you where people can find a little bit more about you. Where can they, you know, learn more about what you do? Yeah. So, you know, I've got my, my company website, which is salesfluence.co. Um, so that's where you'll find all the information about how individuals can work with me um, on their LinkedIn strategy, how companies can consult with me for workshops, as well as ongoing consulting engagements for how their company presents themselves on the platform. You can obviously find me on LinkedIn. <laughs> I use my whole name, Belinda Aramity. Um, I do share tips and, and tricks for focused on um, sales and, and LinkedIn strategy. And then obviously um, I'm doing a lot of work on our, or we're doing a lot of work on our business page as well um, in how to really leverage business pages because I think LinkedIn business pages are a little bit of an afterthought and I think that will change a lot for LinkedIn as well over the next 12 to 18 months. So Belinda thank you very much once again for your time it was absolute pleasure to talk to you a lot of lot of good value there I'm, I'm really really happy and I think our listeners they, they could get a lot of value from from what you was uh, you've said and I hope that we can welcome welcome you to, uh, to the LinkedIn Smart Podcast in the soon future again. Absolutely anytime. Thank you so much. Thank you. Thank you very much for listening. Please make sure that you subscribe to our LinkedIn Smart Podcast and leave a review on Apple Podcast. We would really appreciate it. Thank you and see you next time. Be LinkedIn Smart. LinkedIn Smart Podcast was brought to you by Square Motion, a video marketing agency in Dubai. Need an engaging LinkedIn video? go to squaremotion.me.